Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. If you're looking for a dull, feel-good religion, or clap your hands, sit around the campfire kumbaya, you've come to the wrong place. We are dealing with toxic levels of authentic masculinity. I would say good luck, but luck is for pagans. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. I'm Adam Inhan, sitting here with David Niles in studio. We have Juan Posada as our producer. And let me tell you, Juan has gotten like really good at producing our shows. He knows, he knows things now. He knows what to do. He knows, you know what? He knows the way things should be. Huh. We're going to talk about what, that. How foreshadowing of you. Actually, later in the episode, the way things ought to be. Ought to be? Mm-hmm. How interesting. Uh, what about how, how your, your attire today? Is this what it ought to be? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Never mind. Yeah. Disregard. I don't, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm, I apologize. I wear this hat all the time. You wear that sombrero all the time. Yeah. That's something you do. That's something about you. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you for having me on today. <laughs> As the co-host. Yes. Hey, hey. You uh, look nice. Is this a new you. shirt? No. It's Is it freshly pressed? It is freshly pressed. It looks yes. very, very well pressed. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so we just got back. A, a good pressed shirt really does a lot, I think. It does. It does. Yeah. We just got back from... Southeast, Southeast Oklahoma for the okay. weekend. Yeah. You do that. You took care of my dog while yeah, we were gone. I did. Your, uh, dog, your dog's still alive. And she's doing well. Yep. She didn't eat anything. That's what she... she. Sometimes she eats. She very rarely eats a lot while it, she gets nervous. Yeah. Thinking that we're going to just leave her forever. Also, she doesn't... She just wants to sit in her kennel. Mm-hmm. She's old. She's getting old, man. Yeah. Um, the day is coming. I know. Maybe a sad day. But have you ever... Uh, welded? Have have you? No, no, I've never welded. I've uh, I've had a long time interest in welding. Mm-hmm. I have um, soldered. Yes, which is not welding, not, right? But you know, it's like in the same vein. Okay. So all weekend this weekend, I was working with Benny in southeast Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, working on his tractor, and one of his attachments to the tractor is this big auger. You know, the auger goes down. Yeah. yeah creates sweet. big old holes. Yeah. Well, the uh, the bracket by the PTO snapped. What's the metal. The, what's snapped. the PTO? PTO is the, the, the uh, thing that makes it run. Like it, the cylinder makes it spin really fast, so that okay. way it, it makes it makes it the auger spin. Okay. Uh, the metal snapped and. He, on, the like, bra- on the bracket. On the bracket. Okay. And I was like, what are we going to do? You know, because for me, this is like, this is a deal breaker. We got yeah. go to go somewhere. I don't even know if you can get that on Amazon. Right. Well, he was like, let's just go back to my barn. He like took some sheet metal or not. It wasn't sheet metal because it was a lot thicker than that. But he ended up just manufacturing his own little bracket that he made and then welded, welded it on uh, to fix it. And I was like, man, if welding isn't a manly thing, like, because it's, it doesn't matter what you're, what situation you're in. You can yeah. get out of it if you know how to weld. 
Well, in, in Adam, manufacturing, that's not true. Well, I'm, I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about. Work. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. I'm talking about with manufacturing. You can weld your like way that. out of it. <laughs> you knew what I meant. You knew what I meant. Uh, Welding. Yeah, it opens. It's like a new world. You know, you can just. You think you, you think can make stuff. You can fix stuff. I really want to learn how to do this. Me too. The thing is, I don't have opportunity to weld. Right. You know what I mean. Um, so he, he has a whole welding trailer that he has. He has a welding trailer. That's yes, awesome. It's so cool because he can hitch it on the back of his truck and take it anywhere he wants. Also, you know, there's arc welding and then there's butane torch welding. Or right. Is uh, it butane? I think it's I, butane. I think you can use a butane torch to weld, but or there's torch weld. welding and right. then... He has all of that on his trailer. Yeah. Super cool. Anyway, uh, let, let's get into the drink. Let's do this because yes, I'm very dude. excited um, about we this had, drink. We had, you bought this, oh, a week ago. Yeah, when Patrick Coffin was here. And we busted it open, uh, yeah, with Patrick Coffin. And this is probably in my my new... It's now in my top three, I think. Well, I mean... Well, tell, tell them what it is. Okay, so we're drinking Balvany. Uh, we look, you Balvin, looked that up? Bal, yeah. Balvany? Balvany. Okay, so I used to say Balvany. Right. Uh, or Balvany even. Or But it's Balvany. Balvany. This is the, the there's a lot of people that say different things, but the guys who yeah, who, who I, I, I trust you know on YouTube that's what they were saying. So this is a it's a 14 year it's their peat week, and you were telling me that they they call it that because they brew this only one week out of the year. Yeah, they only they distill this one week out of the year, and what they do is at the very end, you know Balvany uh, is not a a distillery that's known for peated whiskeys at all. No, uh-uh. They're a Highland. You're right. You know, so so they, they have a lot of more of the fruity, uh, honey, oat type of taste. Super smooth, super right. But easy going, yeah. Uh, at at the uh, last week before they do all of their maintenance on their stills, they do a, a peated whiskey. Hmm. And it's this. Um, because you can't continue, you can't, once you, it's almost like a cross-contamination thing. You can't contaminate all of your stills and then expect not to get that peat smoke, uh, once you finish that. In the next batch. In the next, next batch. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So what they do is that right before they, they do all of their maintenance on, on their distills, they do one run of this and then they clean everything out. Hmm. Uh, and so this is the 2003, is it 2003? I believe it is. Yeah. The 2003 uh, version. I think they started in 2002. 2003 was the first one open to the public. Uh, so this is the first one open to the public. Hmm. And uh, they have all the way up to 15 or six, 2016 now. Well, I'll tell you what. They nailed it. Okay, well, let's try it. And then we'll, we'll tell them. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. So on the nose, to me... You have a, a, a subtle smoke and peat, but it's not yeah. it's not the aggressive in your face it's, peat it's that not you get like from, from Lafroig or Lagavulin. You can walk through the room with a glass of Lafroig, and everyone in the room uh, might, if you know, depending on the, how windy it is. But seriously, people in the room can smell a glass of Lafroig that walks right if you just walk through. This is not that way. Even no. even nosing it. I mean, you it's not. It's, it's not it's very. Su- it's not it's, overwhelming at all. On no, the nose. it's very medium-bodied uh, yeah. smell. What, what did you think of the taste? Well, the taste is is very peaty. It's not. It's not. Once again, it's not like on the level of Lafroig, but it's still uh, got. It's a pretty aggressive peat. It's not as sharp. It's, I mean, I don't. It's I, not I don't, as sharp. No, exactly. But it's still very peaty. Very. You know, the peat is the main. Mm-hmm. flavor that you're going to... I mean, that just hits you right away. 
So, I mean, to me, this is about... A, this and is then you get a, a little bit of floral and a little, uh, to me, a little bit of vanilla at the, the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, but it's I, a no, strong, I agree with that. It's a strong finish uh, of smoke mm-hmm. uh, at the end. It's, a, it's what you want out of a peated whiskey. Some whiskeys say that they're peated, and you then you get them and you try them, and you think, that's not really... Well, it's because the we peat, always it's a very subtle peat. The the bar is always set at lar- uh, like you know well, Lafroy and well, yeah, I know, but <laughs> you know, you think, oh, well, yeah. I mean, since you mentioned it, yeah, there is peat in that, but it's not what I would call a peated whiskey. But this is definitely a peated whiskey. Yes, it is. This is my kind of whiskey right here. It's very good because, uh, like I said, like like we said, is that that beginning is not sharp uh, peat. It's not like in your face, pow, like. Hitching the face smoke, yeah, but it, it gradually builds up and continues and lingers at the end. To me, this is the best of both worlds because it's putting together the smooth Highland mm-hmm. with that beautiful flavor of a peated um, Isla whiskey. Yes. Oh, and it's fourteen year. I don't think we said that. I said that. Oh, you did. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, but you. But it's expensive. It is. It's a. It's a hundred dollar bottle. Yeah, uh, it, that's a lot of it's, money. It's a, I think it's one hundred thirty dollars on the East Coast. So, man, I don't it, even know why expensive. people live there. I mean, if it's <laughs> if it's that much, I don't even know why it, people are there. It is expensive, but it is one that would be very nice to have on your shelf. Uh, it, yeah, it, it would be <laughs> to, to to break out on special occasions. Sure, yeah, uh, with especially with people who like Lafroig, Lagavulins, like like peated whiskeys. Yeah, because everybody doesn't think of Balvenie as a peated whiskey no i don't think so anybody it's, it's thinks like of it's that a way. very yeah. it's very cool surprise to you bring know, it out you know what this would be a good baby bottle for us the next baby bottle this could be a good one they could be a good one one says no well what did you did, did you oh, like I a one really like he really likes it why don't you tell him what the baby bottle is so people okay don't so get between one adam and i we have a bottle of whiskey it stays at my house for the moment but um that's because i was the last one to have a baby we only drink it in honor uh, when some, when one of us has another baby. So we get to drink it fairly regularly. <laughs> between, the, between the three yeah, of us. Yeah, uh, the Posadas will be will, will celebrate the next no. baby. Oh, no, it'll be you. Yes. But then closely followed by like the Posadas. Two weeks later, yeah, yeah, you're pos- right. You're right. <laughs> My timeline is off. But um, so anyway, it's we've got... Do you think... I don't even know if we have enough for one... For three glasses. I know. So our first bottle was Lafroig Lore. Mm-hmm. And what we do is... Hers was McAllen 12. Oh. Okay, well, that could be. But anyway, the last one, we, the one we have now is, 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 is the Lore. And what we do is we Sharpie where we end so that and write the name of the, the baby on there. So that way we can see at the very end, like, here's where it was for... Mary, here's where it was yeah. for Anna. Here's yeah. where it was for John Paul II. You know, it's, so it's kind of cool to look back on. It's yeah. a good idea, I think. It is a good idea. Yeah. It's a cool, like, keepsake memory. Sure. It's sort of like the dad version of, you know, you mark the, the door frame with how tall your kids it's are. It's the dad version of knowing how, how tall you're getting. <laughs> I like it. Are you going to wear that through the whole uh, episode? I don't know. Okay. Well, it's very hard to concentrate with that on your head. So you may. Maybe. When we get back... We're going to jump into the top, or I'm sorry, the gear. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. Here with Adam Minahan. Juan Posada's here in the gallery. In the production chair. Man gear for today is the home home altar. Yes. Do, do you need to do a shout out to somebody? Oh yeah, let me do that real quick. Let's do, let's I, do that. I because believe if you want this to, is when you usually do it. This is when I usually do this. Uh we're going to shout out Father Kelly Edwards. Ooh, good one. Uh, for becoming a $25 Patreon subscriber, you can go to patreon.com slash the Catholic Man Show. If, you, if you've been enjoying the interviews that we've had in studio, Patrick Coffin, Trent Horn, Dr. Ray Garendi, we're going to have Tim Staples this month and Carlo Broussard this month. The it's, very end. It's going to be a big month. It's going to be a big month. If you enjoy those and you, and you like them, you should consider donating on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Catholic Man Show, so we can continue doing these. We really like, it's one thing to do an interview over the phone, but it's another thing to do it like in person. It's so yeah. much nicer in yeah. person. No technical issues. Right, you don't have to worry about anything. And then we also get to do an extra segment uh, for the Patreon members. Right. Yeah. I did a whole hour interview with Patrick Coffin yeah, that afterwards. Yeah, that was awesome. So anyway, if you enjoy it, I think we have a little less than 1% of our listeners donating to Patreon. So if we can get up, think about it, if we could get up to two, um, 2% of our listeners, we yeah. can definitely continue bringing people in once a month. Yeah. So do what Father Kelly Edwards does and be holy and support the Catholic Man Show. He is a good priest. He's a great priest out of Enid. He actually just got moved. I heard he yeah, had yeah, a new, he did new move. assignment. He did move. I don't know what it is, but yeah. I, I do remember him moving. Okay. And anyway, so the, we're, the man gear for today, as we mentioned, is the home altar. Yes, I love this you man have a, gear. You have a home altar. I have a home altar. Yes, I love this man gear. Tell me about your home altar. Okay, so my grandfather made us a a big. It almost looks like a toy, bo- like what would be a toy box. A yeah, big it, it opens because it opens, but it's way too nice to be for uh, actual made for toys. It's made out. He handmade it out of oak and ash, and it sits probably about three and a half feet tall. Three to three and a half feet tall, maybe maybe three. Two, three, I'd say it's about not, three, not three and a half. Yeah, maybe about closer to three. Mm-hmm. And what we have, we have our we have our crucifix right above it. We have a, a beautiful statue of, of our mother, and I love this statue of Mary because it, it's one I've never seen before outside of where I bought it. It has a little box right at the foot of Mary where you can open it and put your intentions inside of it and close it. Hmm. And, and so it's really cool for. Us, as we're homeschooling, because Luke or Jude, whatever their intention is for that week, they get to write it on a little piece of paper and then put it in that box and give it to Mary. Yeah. Which is a great idea, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haley, that was Haley's idea. But, and then we also have a, a rosary candle that we have. So whenever we pray the rosary together, we light it. Uh, and it, Is that your candle by the hour? Yes, the candle by the hour, uh-huh. which is such a cool thing. Yeah, I really like those. Um, and then we have a, a, a bowl for all of our family rosaries. And, but what it does is it, Dave, you and I talk about all the time the importance of living liturgically. Mm-hmm. We talk about how do we bring... We do talk about that a lot. We do. Like, that comes up a lot in our conversation. It does. And we, we try to re- figure out how do we bring... Uh, how do we increase the domestic church? How do we take what we, what we learn at Mass every Sunday and bring it into our, our church, the yeah. domestic church? Mm-hmm. And the home altar is, one, is, is uh, something that's very important that can easily help increase your liturgical living 
So do you pray around it together? Yeah, so typically what we do is we light our candle, and then we all kneel right by it, and we pray the rosary. Because you're kneeling, and you're right there in front of the crucifix. Yeah. It's in our living room, uh, so it's something that, in fact, sometimes our kids will sometimes just go over there and say a quick prayer by themselves spontaneously, which is so it's cool. T- it's tear-jerking moment. Yes, it's, it's, like, it's one of those like, oh, yes, I, I love you. Son. Yes. I'm going to give you a big inheritance someday. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you found that it has encouraged, like, do you pray more as a family now? That Yes, we do. Not only that, but it just has created a, a, a spot within our house that's a sacred spot. Yeah. And I think that's very important to have. Because, like I said, you're not going to be able to cultivate that spontaneous prayer with your children unless they realize that, oh, right here is a sacred spot. Yeah. So it makes parenting a whole lot easier as far as like raising them up in the faith. If you create this already, you're going to have this idea within their head or they are going to have this idea within their head of when they're passing it, they realize, oh, this is a sacred spot. This is where we pray. This is important in our family. I I do think it's important because it also helps teach the idea of that certain places deserve reverence. Mm -hmm. Reverence is one of the things that we talk about a lot in our house. Um, So our altar... It's not very big. It's probably... 24 inches? 24 inches by 24 inches. Okay. Which is plenty big enough. Sure. Really. Um, We have a crucifix, uh, a statue of Mary, a statue of uh, St. Michael, and then we burn a candle to St. Michael and Mary. That's that's actually... The candle is actually part of the Auxilium Christianorum prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, we should make that a man gear some, uh, well, we should we, we could do that as a topic, maybe. Yeah, that would be a good topic. Um, but... Uh, and then on the wall right above that, we have um, the Sacred... Or the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a... Lead, this Our altar is upstairs. Kind of a trade-off for us. All of our bedrooms are upstairs. So I like the idea of having the the altar at the heart of the home downstairs right. in a public more public area but for us it wouldn't it, it wouldn't serve its purpose well if it was downstairs cuz we go upstairs get ready for bed you know right. um we wouldn't have it just wouldn't work well to go back downstairs to pray and, and then, then come back, back up. upstairs to bed so sure. um but so it's on a le- there's also a ledge right by it that kind of looks down to the downstairs, like a, mm-hmm. what do you call that? A balcony? Yeah. So we have a picture of the bishop there, uh, guardian angel, you know, just other, other One thing other that, stuff. That, that you guys do that I really like is that Pamela has sewed uh, the liturgical colors. Yes. Uh, talk about that. Okay, yeah. So my wife is Lady Pamela, as I call her. Is, oh, is that what you call yes, her? Yes, she's Lady Pamela in our house. Okay. I'm, what do you uh, call you? Well, uh, I'm uh, Lord... David, I'm trying to remember. Interesting. Like, what is it on Downton Abbey that I'm they, just waiting for you to like say something heretical that or they something? They call the 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 master of the house. Anyway, okay. She's Lady Pamela. Okay. Okay. So anyway, uh, she came up with the idea of sewing little, just short, like very, just tablecloths, sort of, for this small altar mm-hmm. that are the color of the liturgical season. So right now we have a white one, mm-hmm. we have a red one, we have a purple one, and we have a green one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so just, as the liturgical seasons change, you change right, we, those we, colors. We change the colors, right. See, I really like that because it helps your kids, it associates them with what they see at home mm-hmm. and what they see at Mass. Right, exactly. That's one of the things that I have thought about a lot lately is making 
the home life mirror the liturgy of the day. What's happening at Mass today should have an effect. It should play out some way in the home. Because the Mass for today is only the Mass for today. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, sure, we're still in Easter season, um, but we celebrate different feasts, different memorials, different saints. Um, And so whatever that is, those feasts, those memorials should uh, be present in the home. I think. I agree. And as much as we can, I mean, it, it, it's not easy to do that. I, it's I, not. And I, and I know that. Um, but you It know, takes extra effort to do it. So here's, what, here's our routine. Okay. Um, we get ready for bed, brush teeth, pajamas, all that stuff. Then we go, we go kneel. Mm-hmm. This is something I've recently implemented is that we used to be able to, I used to say you may sit, stand, or kneel. Um, and we also used to let them like have something in their hands. Uh, but I've recently said no, no toys, um, even no prayer cards. The prayer cards, just because- w- there was just another toy. It was, right. uh, I mean, you know, everybody's kids are different, but ours were like just totally distracted, mm-hmm. just looking at it, playing with it, right. poking their sister, whatever. Right. So I said, nothing in your hand. Your, your hands are folded. They're empty. We kneel. No sitting, no standing. This is... We kneel. I like it. Um, and it's just all about, we talk, so it's an opportunity to talk about reverence. Mm-hmm. Um, and how God is the most important thing in the world. Mm -hmm. So we should make sure that we're showing him all this. So then we say our prayers. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we, uh, after we say our prayers, each, everybody picks a saint, you know, that, and then we say pray for us. So often the, you know, if there's a memorial or uh, the feast day, that just gives us the opportunity to bring them up that day. Mm -hmm. And the kids, if they, if it's a saint they haven't heard of, they'll say, who is he? Right. Elizabeth is very inquisitive that way. She goes, you know, where did where does he live? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, he lives in heaven. No, 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 no. Where where does he live? Right. Where did and, he live? And he, that's what she means. Mm-hmm. Like, where was he? And right. so, like, she wants to know what country was he from. That kind of stuff. That's cool. Yeah. So you know, we'll talk about him for a second. And anyway, I think uh, it just goes back to I've said this before on the show, but what you do at home reflects how they behave in mass. So they don't learn what to do in Mass, but they learn how to do it at the home and then exercise it at Mass. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a good opportunity for you to teach them, here's what we do. You teach them reverence, you teach them how to kneel, you teach them how to pray, and they're going to carry that into Mass. Mm-hmm. Another little trick that, that we have with um, praying the rosary as a family together, and this is something that I'm going to uh, be putting in my book, but it's a, it's a good trick to have especially for boys, boys dig, dig this, is, is the wall rosary. So when you're praying you the mean rosary. The, the, the really big rosary. The wall rosary, yeah, those big yeah. rosaries that you hang on the wall. It's like six feet around. Yeah, they're really big and they're chunky, you know, and they have those big right. wooden like balls on golf them. Golf ball size, yes. Hail Mary beads. So what you do is, I, I was having trouble with my boys like staying engaged with the rosary. I think like every little kid, they get... Yeah, they, shocker. Right. So when, they, when it's their turn to start the decade, they get to carry the rosary. They get to have the big wall rosary. So it's like... They feel like this is, uh, it's my turn and I'm in charge of this now. And yeah. uh, it gives them a sense of ownership within the rosary. Another good tip is turn your prayer into a procession. If you're processing around the house, way more fun for kids. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. Okay. We'll get back and we'll jump to the topic. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. This, the dram this evening is a delicious Balvany. I am loving year. it. I am just loving it so much. It, I can't. You know what, guys? If you have a hundred dollars that's just burning a hole in your pocket, go out and try try this bottle. If you're a, a Pete guy, it's I'm, I'm just gonna say I don't think it'll let you down. I don't think so either. Pete week. Pete week. Fourteen year. Was it we just easy talk- to find? What do you think? No, the, I don't think it's very easy to finding, find. Because findingness do, of it. They only do uh, a run once a year. How so, did you? Where did you get it? How did you find it? Oh, I don't reveal those kind of secrets. Hmm. Uh, we, we talked hmm. about the home altar. Dave yeah. is going to take a picture of his. I'm going to take a picture of mine. Juan's going to take a picture of his. So that way we'll add it to our show notes so you can check that out. Yeah. Uh, Another thing kind of in the vein out. of whole like uh, the whole color thing. Is what, liturgical season get oh. a bunch of um, is that purple, what we're about? yeah, purple cloth okay. to cover all the crucifixes in your home um, during Passion Tide. Yes, which is two weeks before um, Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, two weeks before Easter. I think it's two weeks. It's a couple weeks. A week, two a week th- before Palm two Sunday. or three weeks. Yes, the week before Palm Sunday. So is that two weeks? Yes, before. Correct. Yeah. I nailed it. Way to go, dude! Yeah, high five. Ha. Uh, and so, what's the topic today, Dave? You, this is your topic. Okay, so we're we're doing a very important topic today. When the idea of talking about this came to me, I thought, we should have done this a long time ago. This should have been the first topic we ever did. We do that all the time, though. It's like, oh, we should have done yeah, this topic. Yeah, I mean, like it, we, well, we think, oh... We're not chronological in, in our topics by any means. Well, here's what happens to me a lot is I think, I can't believe we've not done that yet. Right. But this one... Should have been the first, because we've covered all these episodes. We've done all these episodes covering virtue and talking all about this virtue, what it means, how to live it. But we've never said, why even live a virtuous life at all? Why do it in the first place? Why not just pursue a life of pleasure, you know, and happiness, and, you know, quote, unquote, happiness? Mm -hmm. Why not just pursue whatever you want? Just go after what your wants. Forget about the whole arduous virtue thing we've never said why you should do that in the first place um, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight that's and that's what i want to talk about today is why why a man should even pursue what aristotle calls the good life um because it's i i don't know i, th- I just think that's a, a very important thing to know to be able to internalize so that you understand the purpose behind your life. Um, this topic gets to the heart of the meaning of life. That's the big question, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially atheists struggle with this a whole lot more than, than Christians do. What's the purpose of life? Because for them, it's like, yeah, what is the purpose of life? Kind of nothing. Um, for us as Christians, we know we have a destiny. We know, we know why we're here. But um, especially if you know the Baltimore Catechism, that's right. To, to know, know him, him, to love, love him, him, serve him in this life, so we can spend have, eternity with him in the next. next. Yeah, boom. Um, and that also was so answer, influential. I've never actually seen a Baltimore Catechism in my life, but I know the answer to that question. I have. I have two copies here. I can give you one. Are you hoarding them or something? I am. Uh, also, the answer is Jesus. Jesus, of course. Yeah, especially in the seminary. Mm-hmm. If you're in seminary. The answer to every question is Jesus, which, of course, is true. Translates. Anyway, right. you know, but like, okay, so let's talk, whatever. Okay, so let's talk about it. Why? Why have, why strive 
for virtue. Okay, so um, let's back up a little bit. Oh, I thought that was the beginning point, but no, no, no. Take uh, a launching point. Let's go. Okay, okay. So it goes, it goes even further back. So we're gonna get into a little philosophy, which I get a little, I get nervous about because I'm not a philosopher. I I know very well. I think everybody knows we're not philosophers. That I'm not a philosopher. Okay. I think everybody knows this. Um, this idea to talk about this today came to me when I was reading um, Dr. Cutterback's book on true friendship. Which we're going to have him in studio. Yeah, very excited about that. But um, in June. End so of June. I'm going to be just basically shamelessly ripping off parts of his book today and um, not even feeling bad about it. Okay. So mm-hmm. let's, let's just let's do that. Um, Sounds good. And I'm not even going to tell you what parts I'm ripping off from him. <laughs> go find it out yeah, yourself. Yeah, go read. Because you really should read his book. Short. I recommend his book a lot. Very short, very easy to read, and very good. Um, just gets right down to the meat of what it means to have true friendship. So, um, But anyway, all things have a nature and an end. Okay? So these are philosophical... Philosophical. Philosophical terms, yep. Mm-hmm. Philosophical terms. Yes. Um, so the nature says talks about um what a thing is it's treeness yes exactly if you for were a tree. talking about a tree of right. course you wouldn't right it wouldn't be the nature of, of you or me for instance but yes this um, microphone is it's microphone-ness yeah how microphony is it mm-hmm. but anyway then it has all things also have an end which is uh, the purpose for them being the way that they are. So they have a to nature. To amplify sound. Yeah, a nature which says the way that things are, and then the end that says why they are that way. So, like, what is the purpose for them being that way? Okay. Okay. Um, and once you know these two things, the the nature and the end of a thing, you now have the ability to determine if something is good or bad for that thing. Because either it helps achieve the end for which it is made or it hinders so it helps it flourish okay so give an example okay so let's talk about an apple tree that's a a a very common when you talk about nature it's a good very popular example so an apple tree has a nature it's treeness it's treeness but but it's there's a lot of trees out there Hmm. apple trees have their own nature okay so they have a cellular structure I mean, if you take it down to the basic level that is specific to apples, which, I mean, is common to many trees, many plants. However, they have unique characteristics about the cell of an apple tree that allows it to be a certain size. You know, it ends up producing leaves of a certain shape um, and ultimately produce apples. Okay? And this is the end of the apple tree, that it produces healthy apples because that's what apple trees do okay mm. so um now that we know the nature and the end of the apple tree we can say if something is good or bad so um if you chop it down that is bad for the apple tree because chopping it down prevents it from making apples prevents it from flourishing also if you throw axes at the trunk that is not good for the tree. Even if they are throwing axes. Even if they are throwing not, axes. Not even full-size axes. Correct. That is not good for the tree. And if your wife tells you that before you do it. And you still do it and anyway. And you do it anyway, it still is bad for the tree. Yes. I'm so sorry, Haley. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Even if it's a big tree. Even if it's a big tree, you think it could take it. It can't. No, trees aren't that tough, actually. Okay. So anyway, um, 
so the, we can now, you know, you determine whether something is good or bad mm-hmm. based on if it helps the thing flourish or if it prevents it from flourishing. Okay. So if that's the case, and this is the case for all things. So then the question is, what is man's nature? Adam, what is man's nature? Or body, soul, composites. Right, exactly. So we're not like the animals. Because for a a dog, for instance, um, what is good for a dog? Basically, it's just what's healthy. You know, what makes the dog healthier? Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not really the case for for the human person. Because we're not just a body. Um, We have this soul aspect to us you know so um even atheists know this that there's more to us than a body and they well, might materialists they don't. might not admit this but they all know it deep down because if you ask them what do you want someone to say about you at your funeral do you want them just to say yeah he was real healthy he lived a very healthy life he was very rich and if that's all that people say about you, is that what you want? They're going to say no. I want people to talk about how I was a good person. Oh, you do? Okay, well, that has nothing to do with your physical characteristics. That has to do with something else. That has to do with the soul. Uh, something internal. You know, it's more than just, yep, he had great hair. He, took, he washed all the time. Um, he achieved physical success, wealth, all the, you know, physical things. So, um, but everybody wants to be remembered. Everybody wants to be eulogized as a good person. Talk about their virtue. Talk about the way that they helped other people. These are all powers of the soul. These have nothing to do with your your fingers and your arms, your legs. You know what I'm saying? So that's just a very important thing that everybody knows, everybody agrees with. Um, No matter what you claim is, you know, so an atheist would say there's no soul. We're just electric meat, but deep down, they actually don't believe that. Um, so, this is important because we all, I think, have an internal. We know we have a soul, whether we admit it or not. Okay, so then the end. What is the end of the human person? Um, as Catholics, we believe, as we mentioned already, we know Him, love Him in this life, so that we can spend eternity with Him in the life to come. Okay, that is our end. Our end is heaven. So, so the question is, how do you get there? Right, and so... I mean, right? I mean, if, well, if we know what our end is supposed to be, which is heaven, then what is the path that we must take to get there? Right, okay, and so we know, we can say that now as um, Christians, but uh, the, the ancients, take the Greeks, we'll talk about this on the way back, but, you know, like Socrates, Plato, Aristotle... They weren't Christians. They didn't have the te- they, they didn't yet. have the teaching of the body soul composite, you know, human person. But they but they still talk about the soul. And they logically came to that conclusion. Right. Anyway, so we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Okay. This Balvini is so good. So Balvini. Balvini. One of the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. I'm here with Adam Minahan. Not only does your shirt look pressed, your jacket looks very clean. Which is impressive because you know what happens whenever you have little kids? I was about to say this. Yes. Like jackets with little kids, you have these dirty shoulders all Shul- the time. Because they're putting their, their mouth on. Right. You know. They slobber all... And it doesn't matter how many times you say, don't put your mouth on me. Don't put your mouth on me. It just happens. You just have they to... They want to eat you or something. I don't... They just want to rest their head on your shoulder. And when they do... And then it's like, maybe I'll just lick lick them a little bit. Oh, that's a funny texture. Yeah. I'll keep licking you. I mean... So, thank you for noticing. Whatever it is. But yeah, it looks good. Thank you. I really like that shirt, actually. Thanks, dude. Appreciate that. We'll talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know what else we're going to talk about. But anyway. Let's keep going. So we're talking about the nature and end of of the human being, the human person, which is uh, Catholic language, human person, not individual. We don't don't use those words here on the... We don't use those commie words here on the Catholic Man Show. Um, So if we know the nature and the end of the person, now we know what is good and bad for the person, okay? And so Aristotle, in the Nicomachean Ethic, he says that the end of the human person is virtue. Okay, so he is writing this in a time before... He I means he's not Christian, so he's he doesn't have the belief of heaven. You know, he doesn't have divine revelation that we have the benefit of. So the fact that he could even come to this conclusion... It's pretty astounding. ...on his own is, is truly amazing. Socrates, his uh, teacher's teacher... So in Socrates, had a student named Plato. Plato had a student named Aristotle. Okay, they all would have agreed with this. Socrates really was foundational. I mean, his thought formed so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's incredible how much we owe to Socrates. And the fact they killed him for being so smart, which is... He allowed it. I guess the... Yeah, exactly. They gave him a chance to and he st- stop pestering people with questions, and he's like, nah, not gonna do it. Right. I wouldn't... I'll drink it. I'll, right. drink, I'll drink this poison. And he, he said it wouldn't be good for you. Yeah. If I didn't ask you questions and reproach you for being a hypocrite. Anyway, so um, Aristotle said that virtue is the end of the human person. Um, in fact, to, kind of to the point of what we were, what I was just saying about how these guys are all kind of the same, Socrates, had he, one time he said that the most important thing is not life, but the good life. Okay, and so he and Aristotle, they defined the good life as living a life of complete virtue. So that was, that was what they viewed the end of man to be. Um, that if you weren't living this virtuous life, you were shortchanging yourself, essentially. That you weren't going to be happy. That you were going to just live a life of misery, essentially. Isn't it interesting that they even knew... You taking pleasure instantly doesn't always necessarily yield a good thing. Right. Unless, of course, you have formed your appetites to um, receive pleasure from the things that ought to be pleasurable. So they knew very well that things ought to be a certain way and that things aren't naturally necessarily that way. Uh, um, They might not have known why. I I don't really know because, once again, not a philosopher, not an expert on these guys at all. Um, But... They definitely knew things ought to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and so th- I wanted to mention this just because we've talked so much about virtue, but why should you live this life of virtue at all? It's because this is what you're made for. This is why you were created. 
the uh, the life of virtue is the life is the the straight and narrow path that will lead to heaven especially now that we have a life of, of virtue informed by the divine revelation of Christ um you know uh Aristotle wasn't even Jewish he didn't even have that yeah, to pagan. go on he was yeah just a, a Greek pagan mm-hmm. um yet this is the i think a testament to the value of the natural law that we can see so much that God has really written his law into into the world you know that uh, Thomas Aquinas kind of talked about this that you should be able to come to most of Christian belief on your own if you are smart enough but most people aren't um which it, I think that's true um but Aristotle, Socrates, they were. I mean, because they got a lot of it all by themselves. Just looking at the way... Things work? Yeah, the way the way that we are. So I think one a good... This is a good example I like to use when it comes to um, what's good and bad. Uh, or, you know, when people, especially when you come to moral relativists, and they say, oh, no, your truth is my... Whatever. Um, I like to tell people, okay, well, I'm going to start tasting all my food with my eyes. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to take my meat, my steak, medium rare, put that bloody meat right in my eyeball, and I'm going to start tasting it all that way. Because, you know, that's just what I want to do. You know, that's just, that's how I identify. I identify as an eyeball taster now. And people are going to say, no, you shouldn't do that. That's not good for you. It's not good for your eyes. Oh, well, it's maybe not good for your eyes, but how, who are you to say it's not good for my eyes? It's like, well, because that's not what your eyes are for, okay? Uh, your eyes have a nature, and they have an end, and it has nothing to do with tasting food, okay? Um, the funny thing is, is that everybody knows this. Your ears are for hearing, your eyes are for seeing, your nose is for smelling, your mouth is for tasting, your skin is for feeling, and all these other things. But all of a sudden, it gets to your reproductive organs, and people throw all of that logic right out the window, and you say, it looks like I can do whatever I want with this. Mm-hmm. What is this? Hmm. You know, uh, and so it's like, no, guys, I shouldn't have to tell you this, but a penis is for a vagina. Right. That is like, like I shouldn't have to say that out loud, but you do. That's, it's terribly sad. Um, this is not much to do with the life of virtue that we're talking about today. Yeah, but, you were all over the place today. <laughs> but it does have to do with like the nature and the end of the human person, you know, um, it, I think that is just a testament to how lost the culture is mm. and just the common thinking, you know, that people have lost, they don't even realize, they can't, they're so confused that they don't even know what their bodies are for, what they're made, you know, the, do you know what I'm saying? So once you, once you found out, you know, what you're made for, how has that changed you? Yeah, okay, so in college drifted away from the faith, just like you did. Um, and then we lived, we moved in together after college, and we both kind of came back to the faith together, um, which is uh, just, thank God, thank God, God that we were, that, mm-hmm. that we did that. Um, and I can remember getting to the point, having this revel- revelation where I, all of a sudden, wished I could go back and relive college again, so that I could fix everything. Because I said, wow, I'm not doing all of these things I used to do that I used to think made me so happy. And I'm so much happier for not doing them. 
Have you ever had a moment like that? Oh, I mean, without a I mean, doubt. I think, I think, doubt. I think most people who come come back to the faith, even if you have just this re- reflection on your life, the daily examin- examination of conscience helps that yeah. as well. It's like, wow, I wish that I would not have done. Because if you don't reflect on it, if you don't take the time to to think about what you've done in the past, I, I think I struggle a lot of times of just re- like sitting there meditating on what I've done, reflecting on what I've done in the past. In, in in the vein of trying to make sure that I, I live the virtuous life in the future. Because if you say yes to something that that you shouldn't be saying yes to, and even if it's a little thing, it makes it so much easier to say yes the next time. Oh, man. And the next time. And the next time. I still do stupid stuff like that. Right. So if you don't catch yourself early, if you don't reflect on the day and say, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that, then it's easy to fall into that slippery slope of just constantly saying, you know, yeah. constantly yeah. going the wrong way. If you don't reflect then you have no, there's no measuring stick right. by which you can make progress. But anyway, um, the virtuous life is so important. And I have come to learn that myself just by these moments where, because uh, I look at people like Lady Pamela, my wife, she has never strayed from the faith. Praise God. I mean, I, I am so, I, I'm just, I'm so in awe by her faith, mm-hmm. that the way she's lived it out over her life. But she... In many ways, I mean, I'm not saying that she should have or that it's a gift that I did, but the fact that I look back, God just takes these bad things, you know, and turns them into good. And that's what he's done in my own reflection on my life, and I'm, I'm sure the same is for you, just thinking, wow, I am so glad that I don't live that way anymore um, because I'm just not, I wasn't happy, even though I thought I was. Mm-hmm. I thought I had everything I wanted. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I just didn't even know I wanted that there was something better, that there was these greater goods, these deeper joys to yeah, pursue. Don't, do you think that even if you knew about the virtuous life, even if you knew that you shouldn't do it, it would probably be hard not to still do it because you had not made any kind of habit of doing the oh, good. Oh, in the moment. Yeah, like if you were to go back to my college self and say, oh, there's deeper things that I said, I don't need them. No, even if you did know you needed them. You mean even if I had like infused knowledge right. of... It would be very hard. Oh yeah, I mean because, because I, you, I didn't have the muscles, the spiritual muscles, right? Of, of continually saying, denying yourself, of continually. I mean, maybe I would have made a choice to change, you know, sooner, maybe. But right, um, I could. It's not like you can just turn the switch one day. You know, that's the practice of the virtuous life, is that it's hard, but you have to practice it. You have to try to develop these habits. Habits don't happen overnight. And, you know, a virtue is a habit. We've talked about that before. Right. Um, And so you are made to have the habits of Christ, to have these habits of virtue, um, because they are what will lead you to this deeper relationship with Christ. That's what everything's about. That's what the church is about. Deeper relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Jesus. That's the answer. Cheers. More on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Jesus.